the day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Yes, sirree. Here I am. There you are. I'm glad we are together on this Wednesday night. Big show planned. Oh, my goodness. We got a lot to talk about, and it is always, always more fun when you get involved. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. If you call in, you'll be talking to Matt. He is, of course, producing the big broadcast tonight, so be nice to him. You'll get through to me. And if you want to text, let's start with our text question of the night. Today is National Read a Book Day. I don't know if you knew that. If you had read something, you might have. Um, so, with that in mind, what was the last book you read or one book that you would recommend to somebody who doesn't read a lot? 855-616-1620. That's the text question of the night. What was the last book you read? Or you can toss in one that you would recommend. I, um, I used to read all the time. Uh, but when I was a kid and a teenager, I read, oh man, I read all the time. But um, then I stopped and I miss it because I do enjoy reading. The last book I actually read uh, was two of them. I guess the last one was uh, The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane, which is kind of a uh, a young adult book. I read it for school last year. It was a really quick read. It was about a, uh, really good though. I found it... I, I was able to sit down and do it in a few hours on a Saturday afternoon, which was great. Um, it was kind of moving and sentimental. It's about a uh, porcelain rabbit and it, it just a little. He was a girl, a little girl's doll, and a whole thing. So that was really good. And I think I was the only one, uh, one of the few teachers who had not read it. I guess a lot of. Uh, a lot of people get assigned it for class or something, or you, you hear about it and you read it. So that was a good one. And then I recently finished The Comedians, um, which is a history of comedy in America. And um, so that was, that was actually really good, too. It was kind of a history book, but about something that I'm passionate about. So those were, uh, those were the last two. And then there was a... Um, uh, Barrel Age Stout and Selling Out was right before that. I read all the I read the book of the transcripts of Howard Stern's interviews, which was really good. But uh, I, I'm finding, and I don't know if it's because I don't uh, sleep well or I'm old or a combination of both. But if I do sit down and start to read within a chapter, I'm falling asleep. So. I have, to figure, I have to figure out what to do to stay awake because I do enjoy reading. and uh, But I'm also one of these people who, if I get really invested in a book, I'm kind of sad when it's over. I'm like, oh. But I used to, you know, I read, I used to read John Grisham books and James Patterson and different docu, uh, you know, biographies and autobiographies and all that. Are you a reader, Matt? Not really. Too many words. I haven't read a book on my own probably since I don't even remember. Wow, I'm su I'm surprised you have any like uh, a sports autobiography. Well, or the last book I read, it was for I don't want to say for a class because it wasn't assigned reading, but you just okay. had to read. Um, and it was always a pleasure. The book by Bold's Radio play-by-play -play voice Chuck Swirsky recounted his experience. Oh. In Athens, Ohio, with the Toronto Raptors, and eventually uh, 
with the Chicago Bulls and provided a lot of lessons as someone who is climbing their way through the industry on how to approach things. And eventually when you get to the NBA or whatever major step you're looking for, uh, how to approach it there. Yeah, I, I would imagine that would be. I used I read some, you know, back years and years ago, I read books by some radio guys, you know, um, just to figure out what was what it was like for them. Larry Lujak. I read Rush Limbaugh's first book. Um, I read uh, the Howard Howard Stern's Private Parts. I read, you know, all different kinds of things, just um, just to do. I read books by uh, Woody Allen and Steve Martin, and uh, different comedy books. And but I always liked. I liked like police fiction. Uh, I liked mystery stuff. I was never a sci-fi guy, and I wasn't a horror guy. My wife, my wife loves Stephen King. No, thank you. I've tried reading about three different Stephen King books, and I know that's not a lot. And I know the man can write. I just can't read it because my thing was it just always seemed that he would waste like four pages describing how the drapes were blowing. And I say waste. You might say, well, that's the kind of detail I'm looking for. That's why there's so many books. Uh, a couple of, oh boy, people are jumping in on this one. I'm glad to see we have a literate audience. I'm uh, happy that you guys are reading. Dopamine Nation. Oh, I don't know what that is. I'll have to check that. From the 262, that was from a 414 number. Uh, a series I recommend is The Dresden Files. It follows the adventures of a wizard who operates as a private detective in modern-day Chicago. That sounds interesting. Now, I did read all the Harry Potter books, so I don't mind wizards, I guess. That might be good. 414, uh, Spare. Oh, the Prince Harry book. Says so it's very good. Shoe Dogs. I wonder if that's about, like, sneakers, the sneaker people. Uh, from the 414, used to love reading, then I read Where the Red Fern Grows, Can't Trust Books Anymore. I'm guessing that has a very sad ending. I'll have to, I'll have to Google that one when we, go, when we go to break. Jake in Germantown says, not the last book I read, but does get revisited from time to time. Watership Down, the classic allegory that's sort of like Tolkien with rabbits. Yeah, you know what one that everybody talks about? It's supposedly a classic, and for me it was a slog to read. I It took me a long time to finish it. A Confederacy of Dunces. Now, you would think because I, I love New Orleans so much that it would have been right up my alley, but at the time I read it, I hadn't been to New Orleans yet. And I was just like, oh, my God, this book is so plodding and just... It was crazy, but every comic I knew said, "Oh, you got to read Confederacy of Dunces." So I didn't want to have FOMO. I kept, uh, I kept reading. I kept trying to figure it out, and uh, oh boy, it, it did not work. So that's the text question tonight. What's the last book you read, or you can substitute it for a book that you would recommend? Because um, I do feel like I need to read more. Uh, I read a, a little, but nowhere near enough, and I do find it very, I do find it fulfilling. I just also find it tiring. But we'll get to uh, you, your responses and so much more. It's WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. It is National Read-A-Book Day. So our text question of the night, which is getting a lot of response, what is the last book you read or a book that you would recommend? 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank Talk and text line. That's how you can weigh in. Mike has been hanging on. He's in Muskego. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. So what was the last one you read? Well, it's the one I'm reading right now. My TV blew out on me last week, and I decided not to get it fixed so that I could 
start a new book because I okay. haven't read a book in about six months. And uh, uh, it's and talk to my neighbors and do something different besides watching TV. And so, what did you decide to? What did you decide to uh, start? Okay, it's called "Don't Blink" by Patterson. Yeah, uh, I'm, I've thrill. read. A, is that was that one that was made into a movie? I can't remember. Uh, no, there was another one that was made into a movie, but this might have been. It was. Uh, it's the first three. The the prelogue is crazy. The first three chapters, and you wonder what does that have to do with the rest of the movie? But he ties it together. So I'm right nice. in the middle of it now, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. But the thing I want to recommend actually is for a children's series, and it's okay. called the Box Cart. The Boxcart Children, and I read it when I was about in fourth grade, and the woman was Gertrude Warner, I think. That was the author. And okay. she kept writing books every year through the late 50s and early 60s. And it's just about four kids from an orphanage that uh, they left the orphanage, and they found a empty boxcart uh, on a railroad track, and they turned it into their house. And then she wrote the original, and then she started writing uh, a series of them, and it was all interesting stuff. It was almost like uh, um, a mystery kind of series. Nice. It was really fun. But I actually really, see kids it, still reading those in school, in uh, the school I'm at. The like fourth and fifth graders are reading it. Yeah. So I'm, about, I'm yeah, glad to get your recommendation on that, Mike. Thanks for the call. Enjoy. Don't blink. Uh, we've got, I've got, my wife is reading a James Patterson book downstairs, and as I look at the bookshelves, because much like Ron Burgundy, Matt, I have many leather-bound books. I'm very important. Uh, there's a James Patterson called Revenge sitting over there. I haven't read it. Uh, Bob's in Port Washington. Hey, Bob. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. So what are you reading, or what do, what do you want to recommend? Well, I would like to recommend A Painted House by John Grisham. Have you now ever this, read that one? I haven't read that one. I'll be honest. After like the first three or four, I kind of uh, kind of fell away from Grisham. What's uh, what's this one about? Is it? That's let me guess. A small town Grisham lawyer? Always, uh, no, Grisham always writes about about lawyers. This right. one is about a family that grows cotton in the in the thirties or forties, and it's all about through a six year six-year-old eyes um, about the migrants that come down on two acres of land to pick cotton and all everything they go through. And wow, that, now that sounds good. And, and tell me the name of it again. From a Painted House. A Painted House. It's the yeah. best book I've ever, I've ever read. Wow. All and right. Just, well, you know, Bob? Just, um, just so you know, Brian, I have the same problem you have when it comes to reading. So how did you stay uh, awake? Three... Well, that was a while ago I read it. I'm a little older now, so I uh, go to bed and I read for about uh, 10 minutes. I'm asleep. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier than uh, sleeping pills. Well, Bob, thanks for, the, uh, thanks for the recommendation on A Painted House. I appreciate it. Have a great night. Enjoy the book. Okay. Let's see what else. See what else is coming in. The Glorious Cause by Jeff Shasta. It is the definitive docu-novel about the American Revolution. That from Mitch. Um, Jeff says, I finished Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar two days ago. 
It's a horror book that emulates the format and style of true crime. I do recommend it to those who like horror, but keep in mind that the first chapter is poorly written. The story substantially improves in chapter two. I'm glad you had the patience to stick with it. I don't know if I, if I would have. Oh, look at this, the 414. My nephew just published his first book, and that is the last book I read. It is called uh, IDEA Log Firmament. It's a futuristic sci-fi thriller available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other bookstores. And I'm sure your nephew will appreciate the fact that uh, you got a plug-in here with us today. Oh, uh, Shoe King. Shoe King is the Phil Knight story, or Shoe Dog, rather. All right, that makes sense. I watched that movie. Did you watch that movie, uh, Air, Matt? Great movie. It seems movie. like it would be something right up your alley. Oh, yeah, it's a great movie. It just came out. It was it was actually, I waited till it was, uh, I didn't go see it in the theaters. I waited till I could see it streaming. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was terrific. If you don't know, it's, uh, Air is the story of, uh, Nike and the salesman who convinced Michael Jordan to not go with Adidas to actually come to Nike and how that all worked out. And it was, it was really, it was a fun, uh, it was a fun movie. So maybe that sounds like the book would be good too. Mitch says he'd recommend uh, we did that one. Let's see. Along your preferences, you mentioned, please look up John D. McDonald's. Oh, Travis McGee. I've read a couple Travis McGee novels. Um, he's also name-checked in a Jimmy Buffett song. So uh, let's see what else. Killer Angels, Civil War Battle of Gettysburg from the 262. Uh, and from Connie, currently reading Where the Crawdad Sings. Not sure if I would recommend yet. Highly recommend To Kill a Mockingbird and The Giver. Yeah, I read To Kill a Mockingbird back when I was in school. Um, I think my daughter and my wife read Where the Crawdad Sings. So that's, uh, that's one I, uh, you know, I don't know. But I'm going to, uh, I got to start. I got to start. All right. I, uh, we're going to do this. Then I have a little bone to pick with our president. I know some people are going to go, it's about time you said, no, no, no. Let's just relax. Uh, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity chastiser. So we will uh, we will do some chastising when we come back on WTMJ. Wow, a little yacht rock coming back. I like the yacht rock on a Wednesday night. It is Brian Noonan, WTMJ nights. Uh, you know, I get I get some people who uh, are always say, "Why don't you ever say anything uh, about the president when he does something that uh, doesn't that bothers you?" Well, he did something that bothered me today. You know, over the weekend, I'm sure you heard that the first lady was. Uh, diagnosed with COVID. And so the CDC rules now are that if you are around someone who's wearing COVID, you should wear a mask indoors for 10 days and, and test just to make sure that you're, you're one, you're not uh, carrying the virus and two, that you're not getting sick yourself. So it's, it's to protect not only yourself uh, and all that. Now I'm not going to argue the value of masks um, because I know the people who, our four masks are going to be four masks, and if you didn't like wearing masks before, you're not going to you're not going to wear a mask now. And that's listen, you're going to do what you want. Here's the problem I have with the way with the president. So he's supposed to be wearing the mask. His press secretary comes out and she says uh, early this morning that yes, the president will be adhering to all CDC guidelines, and he's going to do what he's supposed to do. Well, then the president wanders into a. Uh, meeting today he's going into the state dining room and he was holding not wearing his face mask before he delivered his re remarks to the reporters today and this is this is what got me 
So the president then uh, says, hey, let me explain this to the press. I've been tested again today. I'm clear across the board. Uh, but they keep telling me because this has to be 10 days or something, I've got to keep wearing it. But don't tell them I didn't have it on when I walked in. Then he talked for about 10 minutes. He left without wearing the mask. Now, that's fine if you're sending that message and that's the message. But this is how we got into so much trouble three years ago. This is why there was so much acrimony and people saying there's mixed messages and why does this person have to do this? Why doesn't somebody else do it? If you're going to push and support the CDC and say this is their messaging, which just to reiterate, um, they advise individuals who were in close contact with someone infected with COVID to wear a high quality mask when indoors and around others for 10 days and then have regular testing. Now, that's not saying all of us have to wear masks. That's not saying you, that's saying if your husband, wife, your kid, uh, the person who sits in the next cubicle, if they all of a sudden come down with COVID, just wear it for 10 days, get tested. That's it. If that's the message we're supposed to believe, then I think it has to start at the top. We all got mad at the former president when he wasn't when he was going against what the CDC was saying, and everybody everybody screamed and yelled about that, myself included. Uh, I think what's right is right. If you don't believe it as the president, then you say I'm not convinced. I'm not going to do it. But don't don't give a wink wink nudge nudge. Say no more. We're going to uh, we're just going to. Move along. Pretend you didn't see me. Nothing to see here. Yeah, I'm carrying a mask. It's uh, not so heavy that it's not hurting me. It just, um, I hate mixed messages. I hate disingenuousness. And this is the this is the thing that really, uh, really was bothering me. But but again. Um, the press secretary said, oh, no, Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, minutes before this press conference, had said that the president was going to be masking for a 10-day period. Why? This, see, here's the problem. If you want to be an administration that people uh, begin to believe, get your story straight. Everybody's got to be on the same page. You can't have the president just wander off and go rogue and have his press secretary standing out there because that's, I don't care what administration you work for, that is a thankless job. You are basically cannon fodder. You're out there taking all the hits for whoever's the president. And she said the president's going to continue to follow CDC guidelines. That includes masking and that includes testing. And then pfft, nothing. All right. Ugh. Uh, after the news, uh, I had a very terrifying experience the other day. Maybe you've had something similar. I want to know how you would react. We'll get to all that. But right now, it's 631, uh, and our news people are in place in the WTMJ 24-hour breaking news center. And I am proud to say, hey, Wyatt Barmore Pooley is here. Brian Noonan here until 9 o'clock tonight. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. I'm wondering if you have been either witness to or victim of a violent crime and how you responded. What did you do when you were in that situation? 
And the reason I ask is my wife and I have been debating this since Saturday afternoon uh, when we were witness to slash a little bit involved in uh, an incident. Now, uh, some of you might know this. I live on the northwest side of Chicago. So here's the situation. I needed to replace my phone. My phone was very old, and it was not uh, doing what a phone is supposed to do. So uh, my my wife was handling the account. She uh, did most of it online, and AT&T said, oh, you've got to go to this AT&T store, which was only about four and a half miles away from the house. Not far, nothing. But you know, just like in Milwaukee, any major city, a lot can happen in four miles. You can go through the richest neighborhoods to the poorest neighborhoods. And back, you know, in the day, that used to be a cause for concern where you go, oh, I don't want to go through a quote-unquote bad neighborhood. Well, now crime is everywhere. It doesn't matter. Uh, crime can be in the most affluent neighborhoods or the poorest neighborhoods. It can be in rural areas. It can be in the inner city. It's everywhere. So we're driving to this AT&T store, and it's a beautiful day Saturday. Very hot, but it was nice. Driving along a major street, and I get to a stoplight, and I'm the first car. You know, there's nobody, nobody in front of me and nobody behind me. And I'm watching the light, and all of a sudden I hear, pop, pop, pop. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I turn my head, and kitty corner from me is a man with a gun, and he is firing back across the street toward a convenience store. He lets off three more shots, pop, pop, pop. And then he starts crossing in front of my car. Now... You know, my wife is sitting next to me. She's terrified, as she should be. I look back in the mirror, in my rearview mirror, and there's a guy crossing the street behind me, about maybe two car lengths. Now, I don't see a gun in his hand, but he is smiling at the guy who was doing all the shooting, who is now uh, smiling as he's crossing the street in front of my car and trying to trying to, I guess, disguise himself at this point by pulling the hood of his hoodie up, even though it's 98 degrees. Uh, a hoodie is not going to be a great disguise in that weather. But he's also smiling, like he's having the best time of his life. Soon as the light turns green, boom, I take off. And my wife is, is frazzled, and she's like, I couldn't even identify him. And I said, well, I know what he looks like. She said, well, we should stop and go back. And I'm like, no, we shouldn't stop and go back. Um, there's, there's plenty of people who were in that store, in that, involved in the actual thing. We should just keep going. Cause, you know, now I, I understand the importance of witnesses. And if, I don't know, I've stayed and talked to the police in different circumstances before, but this one, I thought, no. We're going to keep going. We're getting out of here. Because, again, there was plenty of people who knew what this guy looked like. So we go, and then somebody else, and a friend of mine was like, well, why didn't you just drive when you saw him with the shots? And I was like, well, because first it takes a minute to realize what's going on. You know, if you've ever been in a situation like that, 
Now, I know what gunshot sounds like. I've fired weapons many times. I've had a gun pointed at me. I am familiar with guns. But you don't expect on a beautiful Saturday afternoon when you're sitting in the car that pops like that are going to be gunshots. And I guess because I'm not around gunfire that often, that was the first thing that popped into my head, of course, was fireworks. But it sounded different, and it was very loud and very close. So... My buddy's like, well, why don't you just drive off? Well, he was the guy with the gun who has just been shooting at other people is crossing the street directly in front of my car. What do you think? What do you think uh, he would have done had my car started going going after him? Um, probably. Well, you know, I I don't want to speculate, but I think we can all speculate on what would have happened. So. Last night, I'm, my wife and I are talking, and I said, oh, have you told anybody about what happened Saturday? She's like, no, because I don't want people to say that I should have stayed and been a witness. So I guess that's my question to you. If you have witnessed a crime, have you stayed around and talked to the police? Or have you just gone on about your way unless you were the victim? If you're the victim, obviously you're going to talk to the police. If you're the only one around who sees the crime, then I would have stayed. But in this situation, I chose not to. But how would you have reacted to this? Or how did you react if you were in a situation like that? And I don't know. It it didn't freak me out. The 608 says I would have hit him with my car. If he... If he had been trying to rob my car, I would have. But I'm not no, that's, you know. I don't believe that I don't believe that's the right that, that would have been the right move because as soon as my car would have started at him, that gun would have been pointed right at my car, which means it would have been pointed right at my wife and myself. So, I'm going to pass on that suggestion. Matt, see, this is what happens when you go out. This is why I don't like to leave the house. This is why people say, Brian, you're, you're becoming more antisocial and like Howard Hughes in your role. Yes, because I go out just to get a phone, and all of a sudden shots are being fired. Uh, you know, it, it just, the whole day, the whole day went south. It was not good. You ever been around gunfire, Matt? Unfortunately, yes. Like, Ooh. yeah, I, not in the same way of where I actually saw the person handling the gun, um, but... You know, I've been an indirect victim. I've seen oh violent crimes, you know, so. That's because you're, yeah. you're living in the world. I, I'm living in the world, right? you know, like even in like the, like you said, the most affluent neighborhoods, like you talk about, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Chicago geography, two blocks like right on the lakefront directly due east of Wrigley Field. Yeah. Like you're talking about a place that in the summer, and this is in the summertime on a game day. Where there's 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people, you know, getting ready to take in a ball game at the stadium and surrounding areas, and then probably two or three blocks east, chaos. Yeah. it's It gets rough over there, especially, uh, like, near the uh, Red Line stops at Belmont and just south of Wrigley. It's any, But, see, that's the problem. It used to be, it used to be that we could... you. If you stayed out of certain areas, you were under the impression that you were safe. And now there is no area that you can really 
go to and feel that you are completely safe. Because it, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. Now, for those of you thinking, oh, um, you know, what, what did this person look like? It was a Hispanic, a short, pudgy Hispanic man. Um, you know, hair, hair slicked back. And again, the, the hoodie was what threw me. The smile, like he was having the greatest time and putting up his hood like, oh, now nobody will see me. But he had been without his hood the whole time he was shooting. And he was looking right at the people he was shooting at. He was, you know, it wasn't like he had tried to conceal his identity the whole time. Um, all right, we've got some uh, we've got some text responses coming in. I want to hear from you. If you were a witness to or victim of a violent crime, how did you react? What did you do in that situation? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let me know. It's WTMJ Nights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Have you been a witness to or victim of a violent crime? How'd you react in that moment? I'll get to a lot of good, uh, a lot of good responses on the text line, but Todd's been hanging on. He's in Glendale. Hey, Todd. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. So what did, what's your story? Well, funny story. I was, uh, making a sandwich and I decided I needed some chips. So I walked up to the corner store. I was living in River West, uh, near the mm-hmm. corner of Humboldt and Locust. And I walked up to the corner store, bought my bag of chips. I knew it was going to cost 38 cents. This was in the, uh, the early 90s, so 38 <laughs> cents made sense. And so I come back, and I'm wearing a pair of cutoff shorts. I don't have shoes. I don't have a shirt on. And a guy jumps out from a shrub and has a, uh, not a gun, but a knife. And he says, give me your money. And I didn't have any money. Right. I had a bag of chips. And so I pulled my pockets out. And I said, man, I don't have any money. And I tried to give him the chips. And he got frustrated and ran off. And so I yelled at him, if you're going to rob somebody, at least make sure they have a shirt on, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a, good, that's a good sign that somebody's probably not got a lot of dough, unless you're at the beach. That uh, you're walking now. Did you call the police? Did you what? What'd you do in the aftermath? In the aftermath, I walked back and I made myself a sandwich and had my chips. Well, yeah. At least now you had your you had your complete lunch. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out that way, and you were able to uh, you were able to enjoy your lunch, Todd. It's got to be. It's it's got to be terrifying. I mean, like I said, I've been I've had terrifying. things happen, but yeah. At the moment, it was very terrifying, but after you walked away, it was a pretty good story. Yeah, exactly. And once you're home eating your lunch, you're like, all right, everything is going to be fine. I appreciate the call, Todd. Thanks very much. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, 414 says, I would have driven to the nearest police station and given information that I have if I thought it would help. Uh, Caroline says, I've done both. Um, uh I've stayed, let's see, I've done both. I have driven to a safe, uh, yeah, continued on my way, sorry, continued on my way as well as stopped to talk to police after a car accident. Jeff in Germantown says, I've driven to a safe place and then called the police. I also have a dash cam and would have offered the video for evidence. Yeah, that, if you have that, that's something, that's something worthwhile. And it was, as the night went on, you know, we were watching the news and there were, well, there were a lot of reports on shootings Saturday, unfortunately, but none of them ours. 
But then uh, my wife's on that neighborhood app, and it uh, it came up on there. And somebody said, well, did were the police called? They said, yes, the police were called. Uh, people were talking to the police. It was all reported. So I was like, okay, that's, that's good. Uh, Jeff in Fox Point says, I'm glad you and your wife are okay. I don't know how I would have reacted in the moment since I've thankfully never been in that situation. But I think you did the smart thing by not sticking around and being a witness because you live in that area and there's a possibility that you may have been putting you or your wife in jeopardy, which I'm sure she would not have been happy with. She was already she was already rightfully scared because, listen, most sensible people, and I don't know if I always count myself in that group, but sensible people are going to be scared when they're around gunfire, as you should be, unless you're at a range or you're hunting, uh, you know, or you're, you know, but I think even people in the military in battle, they're not, they're not a big fan of uh, gunfire. Law enforcement, not a big fan of gunfire. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely, she was, she's still a little thrown by it. For me, it was, uh, and I don't minimize it, but it's done. I'm grateful we're okay. And we moved on. And I, I think we, I think we made the right decision there to just uh, to just keep going. Got an anonymous text says I was overseas in Bratislava in 1993, attacked by five adult men versus one teenager. I was beaten, assaulted, had a knife held in my throat, and someone heard me scream and managed to startle them enough for me to get away. I didn't speak the language. Not only did I not call the police, I didn't tell a soul for four years. Oh my goodness! Um, from the 920, what's the difference? Not getting prosecuted. Lawless society, uh, 920, not a fan of big cities. Yeah, I agree. There'd probably be, if, if, they, caught the, if they caught this guy, he'd probably be out the next day, if not that night. Um, for all the talk about cracking down on gun violence everywhere, we're still a little uh, behind the curve. But thankfully, we're all okay. Uh, I can't say the same for a Milwaukee icon. We'll talk about that next on WTMJ Nights. Usually is a happy day. No, it's not. Let's be honest. It's not, not a whole... There's some happy days, but, oh my goodness, who... What kind of psychopath tries to hurt the Fonz? The uh, bronze statue of Fonzie was vandalized yesterday. These are the... This is why we need stocks in the public square to put people in there and let us throw lettuce at them like it's medieval times. Um, not, the, not the restaurant, the actual times that were medieval. The iconic local statue was coated entirely in an unknown black substance by an unknown person. Why? Why? Visit Milwaukee maintains the statue. They say they're aware of it. They're working to get it. It's been on Riverwalk. Uh, it's been on the Riverwalk near East Wells Street since 2008. It was created by artist Gerald P. Sawyer. The statue pays homage to Arthur Fonzarelli, a.k.a. the Fonz Fonzie, from Happy Days. It was set in Milwaukee. You know that. It received the statue. got a makeover in uh, 2022. Kept the same hairstyle. Not a true makeover, but just uh, spiffed it up a little bit. But, yeah, now somebody somebody vandalized it. What the? Again. You must, you must really be lacking in your life or be very bored uh, to decide that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to coat Fonzie with some kind of black, glue, black goo. This is, yeah, we do. We need to bring the stocks back. 
and just have somebody put a, put one right next to the Fonzie statue, and then we can all walk by and pour this same black goo over the person who did this. And then they go on about their way and, uh, you know, bearing that shame. Maybe we when we let them go, we do the shame, shame from uh, Game of Thrones, and they move on about and do their business. But hopefully the Fonz is back to his stately regality very soon we're going to come back after the news and uh remember ricky williams from the nfl mm, he's got some thoughts on pain management for the nfl we'll get to that after the news which comes your way after this on wtmj nights the day is over but the night has just begun this is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Welcome to Hour 2 of the big program. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. Exciting weekend. The NFL season kicks off, no pun intended. Uh, Sunday, you know, Packers opening day at the Bears the uh, rivalry that uh, I don't think is doesn't have the doesn't have the heat that it used to since the Packers have owned the Bears uh, for a while and have finally was it last season or the season before finally took over the most wins you know the Bears even though they had struggled in past seasons still had the overall record but uh, that has switched to the Packers the Packers will be coming out with uh, Jordan Love and a whole new look they got uh, I saw it. Matt, do you follow the power rankings? How much stock do you put in the power rankings? This year, absolutely zero. Okay. Because I was going to say, I think the I think the Packers were at 15 or 17. It, it doesn't matter, with the especially in the NFC North. With Jordan Love, there's so much uncertainty. With Justin Fields, there's so much uncertainty that I think those power rankings, you crumble them up, throw them in the trash, take it with a grain of salt. We'll, we'll find out. We won't even find out what's up on Sunday. It's going to no. take a while. We're just going to get to see both teams back out on the field, which will be which will be nice. Um, and then I I was thinking of you today as I saw this and I was uh, reading about Ricky Williams, who most of you remember Ricky Williams. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, he was a first round running back. Played for the uh, played for the uh, Dolphins and some other teams. He uh, during his career, Ricky Williams faced a little trouble because. Ricky liked the herb. Ricky liked to uh, to smoke pot, get a little high, and uh, so he uh, he had some trouble with that. He was suspended multiple times for marijuana use. Uh, May two thousand four was the last one. That was months before he decided to retire, just before training camp. Then he came out of retirement. Two thousand five, he was suspended for the entire two thousand six season for violating the NFL's drug policy. He was reinstated in 2007, then retired again in 2012. Well, Ricky Williams has always been an advocate for cannabis use. And if you've been following along with all of the states that are legalizing cannabis, you realize that it's not just for, you know, the recreation of getting high. For a long time, cannabis was prescribed medical marijuana, as we used to like to call it. Um, was prescribed for people in severe pain, for people who had cancer. And because not only did it deaden the pain, but it also helped increase the appetite. So it was seen in a lot of circles as a beneficial health, I don't want to say drug, but a drug. 
not a pharmaceutical, but a, a, a drug that could help ease people's sufferings. And for a long time, I was a, I was a huge proponent of medical marijuana. Now, I'm not a marijuana user. I have used it exactly twice in my life. And that's recently, since it became legal. I was like, well, let me see what all the fuss is about. Uh, eh, not, not really for me, but that's okay. That doesn't mean it's not for other people, especially if you are in a lot of pain, as NFL players are after every game. Um, think, about the, think about running into a wall countless times at full speed for your job. And then imagine what you would feel like when you stopped and you're sitting on the plane going home or you're driving home or you're trying to wake up the next morning and get out of bed when everything hurts. Well, Ricky Williams has come out and he was doing an interview with TMZ and he was talking about how the NFL's, the NFL's policy has loosened a little bit as far as marijuana use. But he thinks it could go a little bit farther, and this is what Ricky was part of what Ricky Williams had to say. I think the next step, though, is you know at the end of a, a game, you know, if we're on the plane, plane ride home, the trainer is walking down the aisle, and he has two two capsule cases, one of Ambien and the other one of Vicodin, and he's walking down the aisle and saying, "Do you need any of this? Do you need any of this?" And the truth is, for football players, we do need something. Right. Because it hurts and it, you're all revved up and it's hard to calm down and go to sleep. And I'd love to see, you know, cannabis as being one of those things that the trainer is walking down the aisle offering to the offering to the players. I think that, that I don't know how that doesn't make sense. We're still stuck, I think, in a lot of ways in that mentality of, well, prescription drugs um, like Vicodin or, uh, you know, other pain painkillers are okay because they're prescribed by a doctor but you know you start using cannabis products and who knows where it's going to lead well i'll tell you from a personal standpoint a lot of that um when you have when you have an ointment with cbd and thc in it you got to have the thc it really can help with pain my mom has horrible arthritis in her knees and in her shoulders and when we were in Colorado, well, first my brother, one of my brothers was in Colorado, and he brought this, he had gone to a dispenser, and he brought this cream home for my mom, and it really worked. So last time we were in Colorado, we went to a, a dispensary, and we bought, you know, we bought what we were legally allowed to buy. I bought some, my wife bought some, and uh, I've used it on my knees, my hip, shoulder, my mom uses it. it it's incredible how well it works. So if we're willing to give NFL players Vicodin and other painkilling drugs and Ambien and everything else just because they're quote unquote, you know, regulated pharmaceuticals, in this day and age with cannabis being legal so many places, it seems it seems inhuman to deny somebody that. Now, the NBA has stopped Drug, uh, drug testing for marijuana altogether. They're like, hey, man, that's fine. And, you know, there are probably some people, I don't know who they would be, that would make the argument, well, aren't you afraid then if you say that, uh, you know, 
We're not going to test for it that everybody's going to come in high? Absolutely not. You would have to be uh, a lunatic to try to play in the NFL high. There's, there's no way. It's happened. No, I, I, oh, I know it's happened, but it's not going to be a widespread thing. Ricky Williams, I'm sure, played high. You know, there's some guys who can operate at different levels on stuff. But I think this makes this made perfect sense to me. Now, Matt, I know you talked to some people about this, too. We're going to continue the conversation. But where do you fall on this? If it's legal, fine. Even if it's not, should the NFL continue to test for marijuana? 855-616-1620, the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. We'll uh, spark up some more conversation. <laughs> See what I did? Yeah, that was, oh, how weak. It's WTMJ. Right on, right on. WTMJ Nights. I'm Brian Noonan. We're talking about Ricky Williams, uh, former Heisman Trophy or uh, former Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, former NFL player, uh, cannabis advocate, who is saying uh, he would like to see the NFL's drug policies be come even more lenient, so that there is no drug testing uh, for marijuana in the NFL, because marijuana is not a performance enhancing drug. It is used recreationally for people just to feel good it is also a proven effective painkiller and that's what he's saying that after games uh that players instead of just being offered pharmaceuticals they should have the ability to use cannabis um travis kelsey who is on the uh on the chiefs in just a couple months ago in june and June said that he estimates around 50 to 80 percent of NFL players use cannabis, and that under the new NFL guidelines, that players it players can use marijuana or cannabis, however you want to however you want to frame it. They can use it during the off season, just fine as much as they want. If they stop in mid July, it's going to be out of their system before they test it, before they have to test. So everything is good. So it's. It's not a uh, it's not a surprise that people are doing that. There were articles, you know, as far back as ten years ago about the benefits in the NFL for players to use cannabis to ease their pain, um, and I think, you know, at this point, we had so many people screwed up on opioids, which is a huge problem for current and former NFL players that you know I say give them as much give them as much weed as they want now you um, Matt in your scope as a sports reporter you've had the, you've had the opportunity to interview some former NFL guys about this issue yeah and they think that it should be entirely legal and I agree with them I think that especially in the case of three-time Super Bowl champion LeGarrette Blunt, who I had the chance to talk to last February, he took a beating during his NFL career. And yeah. so he started his post-playing career, uh, LG's Feel Good. It's a brand that he created. It's THC-free. Um, and it, him, along with a couple other former NFL players, have been using it. They use it during their career. They're using it now post-career. And I think it should be allowed because it's not, like you said, it's not performance enhancing. It doesn't create any sort of advantage. It doesn't have any harmful chemicals, especially if you take the THC out. So I say, why not? Let them use it. It's better than them getting hooked up on opioids that could turn fatal. 
And uh, I think ultimately training staff, like uh, Ricky Williams said, should be allowed to hand this out. And another part is, LeGarrette Blunt won three Super Bowls. The NFL is going to be looking out for him. He's one of their diamonds that they want to protect and be ready. There are some guys who last two years in the league, take a massive beating, don't win anything, and then they're left to fend for themselves. And that's why we have we have all these incidents of former players being addicted to painkillers and uh, this and that. Uh, Le'Veon Bell gave an interview back in May on a podcast where he said, you know, he played in games while under the influence of cannabis. I I think that would be... I think that would be dangerous, but if you can do it, you know, that's fine. And I also think it's a little hypocritical of the NFL to look around and go, okay, well, we're allowing all kinds of betting. We're allowing all of this. We allow our trainers to give the players whatever, uh, you know, legal big pharma pill they need, but we're going to take this thing away. And, there's, there's a lot of topicals that would be great. Um, those you do need the THC to actually help with the actual pain relief. Uh, so there's a lot of options, and it just seems it just seems dumb for us to uh, turn it. We all love to watch football. We all love the gladiatorial nature of it. We appreciate the athleticism of these guys, and they're all oh, there are heroes when they're on the field, but what they do to themselves for our entertainment and for a lot of money. But the money is, you know, I'm sure these guys would play. If the, if the money wasn't as big as it is historically, these guys would still play. That's what they do. They're athletes. They're football players. But, um, yeah. And I like, you know, the NBA was smart. The NBA just went, eh, no, these guys are all getting high. <laughs> Why even bother testing? You know, um, we should test for the guys who aren't. That's the that's the only thing. So, and I know my brother, one of my brothers, is in the uh, is in the weed business, and he said there are a number of former athletes that are getting into the business because one, uh, they know what the pain relief aspect can be, and two, it also it's a great marketing tool. You know, you got somebody who is a former NFL player or NBA player. Um, and they open up a dispensary. Well, you know, that's gonna that's gonna be good for business. So it is a very it's also a very competitive field, in, or a, yeah, in everywhere that it's legal. And I think Wisconsin's gonna come around in the next few years. I think uh, you know there there is. I did read a study today that said that there have been more um, accidents because of people high than there have been recently about um, about a uh, other than a DUI. So people who are high are getting in more accidents than people who are drunk, which uh, I it's don't know. because of the misconception. Gotta, yeah, and I got to look at this because I got to look at it a little closer because there's a lot more people who drink, I think, than... And maybe I, this I could be this could be an outdated notion too. Then use uh, cannabis. It's becoming a thing everywhere. See, I can't smell it. So when we go places, my wife will be like, "Oh my god, it smells! It, it smells like a reggae show in here." Everybody must. But be also, high. the thing with marijuana is it's two parts. You've CBD, which help help heals pain, and then you have the THC, which is what people use to get a feel. 
Right. So and if so you if you isolate it, I'm not saying it's harmless, but my dog has bad anxiety. He takes CBD once in a while to calm down. Okay. It just I shows how how safe it is. Yeah, it's that you can listen, use it. it we got to get away from that uh, reefer madness mentality that a lot of us had. Um, you know, and from the 920 will be just another bad example for our kids if they can't use it, why can't I? Well, we could say that about just about anything, you know, alcohol, uh other painkillers that get abused all the time. I think we're at the point where, you know, cannabis is being looked at as being as acceptable now as tobacco. Even, even I think, more so because you don't have to smoke to get the effect of the cannabis. You know, you could, get, you could use a topical cream. You could take it edible. You can, uh, you know... Get put the the drop under your tongue, so you know. I don't, I don't think that that excuse is going to hold water. That if they can do it, why can't I? All right, we got to take a quick break, but then we'll be back. Oh, of course, there's more. Why wouldn't there be? It's WTMJ nights. WTMJ Nights. I'm Brian Noonan. We're here till 9 o'clock. On the other side of the news, oh my goodness, there could be a zombie apocalypse. Uh, we now know the best and worst cities to survive a zombie apocalypse. We'll get into that. Uh, a, a, a lifestyle inventor, musician, passed away, and I'm curious about uh, one thing about that. We got, uh, staying on the sports topic, a uh, wonderful sports show is done. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, it is Wednesday night, so that means the drive-thru window is going to open. And then, yes, this will be very exciting for a lot of people, Bears in the News. Oh, yeah, big game on Sunday. Is that what we're talking about? Who knows? But we'll get into all of that. And as always, you can jump in and you can still answer the text question of the night, which is today's National Read-A-Book Day. What was the last book you read or a book that you would recommend to everybody. So we'll get to those throughout the show as well. Man, we got a lot to do. But right now, it's 7.30, so we're going to head into the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Jack Grau is here with the news. I oh, my goodness. We are back. It is WTMJ Nights, as the big voice man just told you. I'm Brian Noonan. 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank. Talk text line. Old National Bank. Get old. I know that Matt picked Thriller because we are very nervous about a zombie apocalypse. Who isn't? They've got another Walking Dead show coming out. I think this is just Daryl. I tapped out of the Walking Dead way too late. I think I stuck with them for, uh, I don't know, six, seven seasons, uh, almost to the end, which was dumb. I probably should have waited till the to, and watched the last two seasons, but I was finished. Uh, I watched Fear the Walking Dead for a couple seasons, and then I was like, I, I can't anymore with the zombies. There's zombies everywhere. I don't know if we're going to have zombies, but um, there is always, always concern that if, in fact, there was a zombie apocalypse, where would we go? How would we know what cities to live in if we were to survive, if we want to survive a zombie apocalypse? Well, thankfully, a company called Lawn Love comes out with a yearly list. And I'm a little concerned because um, no cities in Wisconsin made the list. The closest city, if you are in Milwaukee, 
uh, or anywhere in Wisconsin, the closest city is one that many of you, I don't think you like it. Chicago is the closest one. Now, there's all sorts of, there are all sorts of criteria to be a city that, that will keep you alive if, in fact, there was a zombie apocalypse. Um, they used the city's vulnerability. I don't know what that means. If you're Maybe if you're just around a place that may have more zombies than another, if you're near nuclear reactors or something like that. But um, So the city's vulnerability, the number of hideouts, where can you hide from zombies? Now, it's going to, let's, let's be honest, it's going to depend on what kind of zombies you think are going to come. Are they going to be Walking Dead, Night of the Living Dead zombies that move kind of slow and that you can run up on and hit in the head with an axe? Or are they going to be, uh, what was it, uh, World War Z zombies where they move very quickly? Matt, if you were going to have to predict what type of zombies would be coming after us, are they going to be the slow-moving, easy-to-kill zombies, or are they going to be the really fast ones that uh, we might as well just lay down right now? Got to prepare for the fast ones. Well, you're Because then the slow ones come, it's no big deal. That's true. You make a very good point. Prepare for the worst and then be ready for the best. And the best is the slow zombie, I guess. Uh, so the abundance of supplies, quality of protection, and ease of mobility. 30 determining factors in total. This is, this is an extensive study. Exhaustive, one might say. To figure out where you're going to, where you're going to survive. All right, let's. Do we want to start with the worst or the best? This let's start with the, let's start with the worst because you're going to notice that uh, the worst has a couple things in common. So the worst city. These are the top ten top ten worst cities for surviving a zombie apocalypse. West Valley City, Utah. Oh, the Mormons are out. Garden Grove, California. Number eight, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Then Detroit, Michigan. D- Listen, if you what a just, difference. Yeah, go from Port St. Lucie to Detroit. I don't know if you could survive much in Detroit. Detroit is Detroit's rough, unless you're Eminem. Then he, you know, he'd just wrap them to death. But see, I think in Detroit you can escape to Canada. You can go through the tunnels, but who am I? I'm not. uh, Surprise, Arizona was number six. Pembroke Pines, Florida, another Florida town. Patterson, New Jersey. North Las Vegas, Nevada is number three. Jackson, Mississippi. And the worst city for surviving a zombie apocalypse, Miramar, Florida. I'm going to give you the best, but I also want to know what... What do you think you need to be stockpiling for a zombie apocalypse? Other than other than food and water, you know what? What do you need? I'm get, I'm guessing any sort of firearm and a lot of ammunition. You got to have that. Um, you need you need supply. You know this is where it. This is where you can see these preppers, the people who are survivalists, that maybe they're not as crazy as most of us would like to think they are. Because you go, all right, I need, I need rope, I need, uh, I need something, I need a lot of matches so that I can uh, start fires, or I need to learn how to use sticks, I need a flint, uh, I, need, uh, I need to be able to get places. Oh, my goodness. 
So, here are the 10 best cities. But before, all right, before I give you that, let me give you the five cities with the highest share of homes with bunkers. Now, I know you live in an apartment now, Matt. Did you grow up in a home with a bunker? If you consider a classic basement in a one-story house a bunker, then yes. No, I don't. A bunker is, no, a bunker is uh, like an old bomb shelter. Nah. All right, me either. Rochester, New York, Syracuse, New York, Springfield, Mass., Worcester, Mass., and Boston, Mass. I don't know what's going on in the Northeast. I think these people have a bias. These people have bunkers. Yeah, that's the highest share of homes with bunkers. So I don't know what's going on. Boston, I understand. (laughs) Really? You got a Revolutionary War. Like, you got the history there. So the architecture might still be the same. As someone who went to school within two hours of both Syracuse and Rochester, bunkers there? Yeah. You never had you never ran into any locals that had bunkers in their house? No, no. Try to drag you down there, show you their uh show you their pre made meals that they're all ready to go. Their generators. It, it's upstate New York, I mean. <laughs> yeah, everybody's probably. Uh this won't surprise you. The lowest share of homes with bunkers. Hialeah, Florida, tied with Hollywood, Florida, Pasadena, Texas, Laredo, Texas, and then North Las Vegas, Nevada. Those are, but those are all also in places where they don't have, you know, they don't have basements and stuff. The Florida, because you're in a swamp, so they don't have it. Uh, most hunting gear stores they took this into account: New York, Honolulu, San Antonio, Miami, and Houston. The fewest hunting gear stores. West Valley City, Utah, Laredo, Texas. That surprises me. North Las Vegas, Jersey City, New Jersey, and Montgomery, Alabama. Wow. Wisconsin not represented on this at all. So, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. They really, the it focused a lot on the Southwest, the South. The only Midwest cities are Chicago, which was, we'll get to, and Detroit, and then in the Northeast. So I'm guessing they figure the zombies aren't going to go out into the Great Plains. You're not going to find a lot of zombies in South Dakota. I don't I don't buy that. But you never know. All right, here are the best cities, the uh, top the top cities that would be the best for surviving a zombie apocalypse. I'm not telling you to look into real estate there. I'm just telling you, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a second home in a zombie safe environment. Uh number 10 Orlando, Florida. That's because everybody would go and hide at Disney. I would get into the very top of Cinderella's castle uh, and, you know, stockpile a bunch of those Dole Whips if I could get a freezer and uh, a lot of the Mickey Mouse pretzels, and I'd be good. Chicago comes in at number nine. Las Vegas is at number eight. I don't think people in Las Vegas would even notice if there were zombies running around. You been to Vegas? Everybody looks like a zombie especially after they've spent the whole night at a slot machine. San Diego, California, that's just that's just a nice city where everybody wants to live. So, I don't know. Austin, Texas, Los Angeles, Miami, San Antonio. Number two is New York. And number one, the best city for surviving a zombie apocalypse, Houston, Texas. Very exciting for all the citizens of Houston. You will be safe from a zombie apocalypse. And that's, listen, if if nothing else, we can all sleep a little better at night knowing that happened. Uh, We lost an icon the other day, 
And uh, the reaction to that has been a little bit surprising for me. We'll talk about that and more. It's WTMJ Nights. All of, that's the one. That's the one. Matt Pitt. Matt says, "Oh, I got a whole bunch of uh, Jimmy Buffett songs." That is Margaritaville. That is Jimmy Buffett. I am Brian Noonan. Jimmy Buffett uh, passing away on Saturday at the age of seventy-six. Uh, they've released. They said it was a, a type of skin cancer. He had been diagnosed with that four years ago, and. Um, just uh well he he didn't play the Summerfest show. He was supposed to be here for Summerfest. And then there were a couple others that he canceled due to illness. And um it's a uh Merkel cell carcinoma is what it's called, and it's described as a rare aggressive form of skin, skin cancer, has a high risk of returning and spreading, and that's uh about three thousand new cases diagnosed every year of that in the United States. So um you know, we've had we have musicians and athletes and celebrities that we're fans of pass away all the time. The lead singer from uh, Smash Mouth passed away uh, just the other day too. Jimmy Buffett, Jimmy Buffett hit me a little harder, and not because uh, there there were a number of reasons. One, I'm not a parrot head for all that entails. I don't, you know, I've been to a number of shows. Uh, I do have a tendency to wear Hawaiian shirts or, or Aloha shirts, but I've been doing that since I was in high school. So, um, But there was something about his music and the imagery he created and the lifestyle that he kind of created that has been co-opted by a lot of artists and a lot of, especially a lot of country artists um, of this beach life, living by the water, uh, sailing away, just all of that. And for people who are in the area that we are, where it's really cold a lot <laughs> a lot of the year, we get these harsh winters, it painted a kind of paradise that um, maybe we could only get to via his music. Maybe we could get to it a little bit once a year especially he was always once a year at alpine valley that was the first place i saw him um which i'm sure a lot of us if we if we saw jimmy buffett a lot of the a lot of us had our first experience and maybe all our experiences at alpine valley but it was it was a music that was um you know at sometimes it was very simplistic other times the ballads were very, very rich. Um, Margaritaville became the anthem for him. It became the name of his business. He was a business juggernaut with restaurants and retirement homes and, you know, merchandise and land shark lager and everything else. Here's what, here's what bothered me over the weekend, and I saw this a lot on social media, and this is why you should probably stay off social media. There were a lot of people who were taking joy in the fact that Jimmy Buffett's fans were sad. And this I didn't understand. They were like, oh, at least the, the, uh, the only good part of Jimmy Buffett's dying is that parrot heads are now heartbroken. And I don't understand some people's need to 
dump on something that other people enjoy. You don't like Jimmy Buffett? Okay, that's fine. Um, his music was escapism for a lot of people. It brought joy to a lot of people. It brings it brings me a sense of calm when I listen to it. Uh, makes me think of a pla places that I don't get to visit all that often that make me very happy. So for all the people that his music made happy, why why is it that some of us need to destroy that or belittle that? It and I want I, I was thinking about this a lot and I was really getting mad because I was like Okay, what are you are you trying to prove that you're a music snob and that because this is popular with a certain demographic you're above it? And I thought, well, yeah, there's probably some people like like that. Are you just a person who enjoys other people's sorrow? Probably there's some people like that too. But it just made no sense to me. So I I have been um I've been listening to a lot of Buffett just in the last couple days just because I don't listen to it a lot. It's on a lot of my playlists, different songs here and there, and there's there's a lot of songs other than Margaritaville and Come Monday and uh Cheeseburger in Paradise, Why Don't We Get Drunk and Screw. Those are the ones those are, you know, those are really popular ones. Pirate Looks at 40. There's there's a ton of them. And if I can give if you've if you've thought, well, I kind of like some of it. I I'd like to hear some more. Uh, there is a if you go on Spotify and you look up Jimmy Buffett, there's a four disc set that's it's a little bit old. It's called Boats, Beaches, Bars, and Ballads. And it has a really great mix of all kind of stuff. Now it's not the, the most recent music, but it's a really good intro. If you think, you know, if you think why don't we get drunk and screw is all that Jimmy Buffett's about, you'll be pleasantly surprised. If you're like, I can't listen to Margaritaville one more time, well, just hit skip. It's only on there once, so it's, it's, you don't have to have it on repeat. But I would, I would ask this of people to think about why you take joy in other people's sorrow, especially in a time like this. Somebody listening to Jimmy Buffett doesn't hurt you. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's people that you've liked. And been a fan of that have passed away that other people would go oh I don't I don't get that at all but if it brings somebody else joy leave it alone you know just relax all right there's me pontificating there's my eulogy uh, to Jimmy Buffett I did I I've seen him in concert I got to see him I went to see he had a uh, he had a Broadway he wrote a Broadway play I don't know if you know this and so it was opening in Chicago and I was fortunate enough to be on the media invite list for opening night. And I didn't get to talk to him, but I was only about six feet away from him when he walked in, and that was very exciting. And uh, he came out on stage afterward at the curtain call, and so that was really great. And every time I've, every time I've gone to his concert, I've left happy. And every time I listen to his music, it makes me happy. And that's really all I can ask of anybody that I'm a fan of. So... uh there you go, Jimmy Buffett, uh, dead at 76. News comes your way after this on WTMJ Nights. I got a good Butter pecan coffee at Dunkin'. That was Dunkin pretty good. Donuts, you mean? 
Uh, yes. And I was shocked by the bill. Shout out Culver's, yeah. Shout I've heard very Culver's. good things about their fish fry. I'm going to go to Panera. I'm going to get a bagel sandwich. Doritos and Papa John's are teaming up. Anything that says ranch. That's why I barely watch a Western about cattle drives. Uh, because of you guys, I had to analyze the hamburger. <laughs> we eat fast food quite a lot. We talk about it even more. Let's visit the WTMJ Night drive through window one more time. Yes, sirree. It's Wednesday night at 8. That's when we open up the drive through window, see what's going on in the world of fast food and fast casual and food in general. Uh, you are always welcome to jump in with a new discovery, a new recommendation. Uh, comment on what we're talking about, 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank. Talk and text line, old National Bank, get old. I am going to start with this. It's not really, well, it's not fast food at all, but it is local, and it is a beverage, and it sounds unbelievably delicious, so I thought I would share this with you. Sprecher Brewing is releasing a limited edition honey apple blend soda. Now, I'm reading the word soda, but I know we all say pop, but... This is uh, so the uh, they're putting fall in a can. According to this, the craft brewer and soda pop maker will be releasing a limited edition honey crisp apple blend soda with apples hand picked from a Door County orchard. All right, I don't drink a whole lot of pop, but I am going when this comes out in a couple weeks. I have to try some of this. It sounds it sounds phenomenal. Uh, the Honeycrisp Apple Blend Soda is made exclusively with a blend of Honeycrisp, Cortland, and Macintosh apples, all hand-picked from Wood Orchard. Um, they are combined with raw Wisconsin honey in the brewery's gas-fired brew kettles. According to Sprechter, the result is a soda filled with flavor that speaks to why we all fall, all love fall in Wisconsin. I am, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Matt, I am a fall guy. Fall is my favorite season. So we're moving into that season, and now I will, uh, because man cannot live on beer alone. Trust me, I've tried. Uh, you know, water is fine, but it's boring. So I'm going to have to try some of this uh, Honeycrisp Apple Blend Soda. Because I like, like Sunday we're going apple picking. I can't wait. I love to go apple picking because I I like to get some apple cider. Now, I'd only drink apple cider like for one week in the fall. And it's usually the it's the week after we go apple picking, but I love it. Plus, uh, at the orchards you get the uh, apple cider donuts. And if you're a person who doesn't like apple cider donuts, I worry about you. Quite frankly, I don't I don't know I don't know what's wrong with you. Something though is definitely wrong with you. I'm not even going to ask, man. I'm just going to assume that you like apple cider donuts, and we're going to go from there. Even though I know you're not a big sweets guy. Uh, so don't ruin my don't ruin my estimation of you. So it's going to be available everywhere starting September 18th. It's going to come in a 16 ounce can. You can get it at all your favorite grocery stores, festivals, Woodman's, Sendix, Metcalf's, the Piggly Wiggly, and many many more. And it's going to be available across the Midwest. So wherever you go, you can get this Honey Crisp Apple Blend Soda from Milwaukee's first craft brewery. So I am. Uh, it sounds it sounds really good. There is a uh, there is a brewery in uh, northern Illinois called Phase 3 Brewing, and they do every year a ale made with in cooperation with Affy Tapple. You've all had their, their 
caramel apples. It's a caramel apple peanut ale. Oh my goodness. So if this, uh, if this pop tastes anywhere near as good as that, heaven in a can, that's all I can say. I don't think I'm overestimating. Uh, you know, yesterday was Tuesday. That means it was Taco Tuesday. Um, maybe you enjoyed tacos, but if you didn't, you need to start planning for September 12th because this is big, 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 big. It's not just a Taco Bell. It is more than 20,000 Mexican restaurants across the United States are taking part in a Taco Tuesday celebration where you're going to get $5 off your DoorDash bill um, of $15 or more. And they're doing it for Taco Tuesday. It is going to be unbelievable. Um, you, can still go, you can still go and get your uh, free seasoned beef Nacho Cheese Doritos Locos Tacos. Well, that was yesterday, so you can't do that anymore. But they're going to be doing those free promotions uh, a few more times throughout the year. They're celebrating the fact that Taco John's agreed in July to abandon its trademark for the Taco Tuesday phrase. Taco Bell is now the uh, Taco Bell is uh, now the you know the official Taco Tuesday. So September twelfth, which is next Tuesday. You can use, uh, there's a $5 million taco tab that is getting delivered from Taco Bell. Or you can choose from a bunch of local restaurants, too. As I said, more than 20,000 Mexican restaurants in 49 states. So all you have to do is go to DoorDash and see the full list of restaurants. Then you use the code TACOTAB. You'll get $5 off any order, $15 or more. That's not bad. Little something little something for the effort in case you're looking for some tacos next Tuesday. Uh, Taco Bell is going to do more Taco Tuesday deals in the future. Uh, and so this is good. And also, also, if you are a fan of Mountain Dew, which I am not, do you drink a lot of pop, Matt? Not really. I know you really. drink a ton of water. I know you're a water, you're hydrating like crazy. How many empty bottles you got in, the, uh, in your room right now? Just one. What? It's, are you okay? In, in terms of empty, it's been a light night tonight. All right, I was going to say, do you need me to, uh, you know, alert uh, some sort of emergency services? <laughs> Are you wasting away? Not in Margaritaville? You I'm just searching. Like I'm night? searching for my shaker and salt. Uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't look, look for their lost shaker and salt? Um, I don't like Mountain Dew. Never have liked Mountain Dew. My wife loves uh, Diet Mountain Dew. They are Taco Bell is bringing out a Mountain Dew Baja Blast Tropical Lime Gelato. That is. <laughs> It became available uh, last Thursday. It was gone right away, but uh, they're going to they're going to bring it back, and it's going to be a little uh, a little a gelato. All right, it's almost Halloween. Drive-through window continues. We got uh, got a couple more stories. Why don't we take a quick break? Then we'll come back. We'll finish up the drive-through window, and we'll get into some more things. It's WTMJ nights. This is WTMJ Nights. Cheeseburger in paradise. It is WTMJ Nights. We are opening up the drive through window as we do every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll take a break from actually talking about food and talk about money. You want some? You may have some coming if you ordered from Panda Express. Yes, the latest 
in a long line of lawsuits against restaurants. Uh, customers who placed a delivery order may be entitled to compensation. I didn't know I didn't know you could get delivery from Panda Express, but that, that, who knows? Uh, you can get either money or free food. It uh, the chain has agreed to settle a class action lawsuit that claimed hundreds of thousands of customers paid hidden delivery fees with false and misleading disclosures. Oh my! So if you placed a delivery order through the Panda Express website or app between July 17th, 2020 and February 16th, 2022 with a service fee charge, you may be entitled to relief and could submit a claim online. Oh my goodness. The lawsuit alleges the company misrepresented the cost of delivery by advertising low price deliveries usually for about 2.95, but then they tacked on a 10% service charge for delivery customers. Uh-oh. Uh, now, Panda Express did not admit to any wrongdoing, but they agreed to settle a class action for $1.4 million. All right, well. <laughs> this is at least See, a legit I, legal case. I'm not, a, yeah, this one, okay. They, you know, yeah, this isn't, hey, my burger doesn't look as big as in the sign. No, this is, hey, you you allegedly charged us more than you said you were going to charge us. But I'm a, I'm no lawyer. I figure if you pay off, you're admitting your guilt, but that's, you know, some people, some companies just want uh, things to go away, and maybe that's what Panda Express did. So uh, the court's going to decide on November 8th how to approve, how to deal with the settlement. Eligible customers who were charged a service fee need to commit, submit their claim, rather, no later than January 10th, 2024. You're either going to get a cash payment or up to two free medium entree vouchers. So the cash value exp expected to exceed $10. So another one where you're not going to get rich, but you might get some uh, you might get some orange chicken or something. I haven't been do you get, I haven't been to a Panda Express in I'm trying to remember. It's been a long long time. I used to go to Panda Express not a lot, but every once in a while cuz it's not bad. You know, it's not like your local Chinese food place, which is probably better. Maybe not. Maybe you live in an area where Panda Express is the best Chinese food, and you know, good for you. There's nothing wrong with uh, nothing wrong with that. Their orange chicken is still unbelievably good, but probably not really good for you. All right, McDonald's is teasing a new side dish. Matt, you want to take a guess on what uh, side dish McDonald's is rumored to be bringing out next? What don't they already have? Oh, they don't have a lot. They don't have salads. They don't have uh, so onions. They uh, nah, they're not chili. going salad. That's too. They that's... don't have baked potatoes. I'm going with a sophisticated fry, like a potato skin or something like that. Mmm, no, good guess though. Their fries—they're not going to compete. They're not going to put anything up to potato-wise to compete with their fries. They still have—I don't know how they do it. They still have the best fries. Ninety percent of the time, if you get fries at McDonald's, they're good. Uh, but that other 10%, man, when they're bad, they are really awful. It's either they're the best or they're, you know, you just want to drive your car off a cliff. That seems a little drastic. No, McDonald's has teased that they are entering their buttered corn era. Huh? Yes, buttered corn. I don't know. Nobody knows if this is true. These are McDonald's Facebook posts. 
that people are people are sharing and McDonald's posted this officially entering our buttered corn era butter add this as your side for a full meal so it's very cryptic who's going to go to McDonald's and get buttered corn it doesn't fit their mold not at all it's not they're not serving barbecue it's not like a seafood boil plate it's not long john silvers where you're going to get some fried catfish and one of those uh, corn cobs that have been sitting in the steamer for two or three days you know it doesn't it doesn't make sense but this is, you know, the, the, the social media people are nuts. The social media marketing people are, oh, we're going to get people talking about this, and then they're going to come in for fries. No, if I'm talking about buttered corn, I'm not thinking about nuggets. I'm, I'm also not, not coming in for my fries. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm going to go, yeah, you people have lost your mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get some onion rings at Burger King. I'm going to shake things up a little bit. Maybe I'll go to Culver's and get some cheese curds. I don't need, I don't need your crazy buttered corn. I have never I have never been been to a place that served like uh, a little corn cob or coblet or whatever that it was good. It's always overcooked because it's been steaming. It's nasty. If you want corn, you got to cook it yourself. That's the best way. Then it's it's fresh. It's hot. It's right there. Uh, the four one four wants the gogurt back in the kids meals. I didn't know it was going. I've never had a kids meal. I know they have. The, they still have apple slices, I think. Matt, you're a child. Uh, do you get the kids' meal? <laughs> I have not had a kids' meal. And in I like say that only in comparison to my age. Eleven years. Uh, I, you haven't had a, have a kids' meal in eleven years? No. All right, listen. I, I don't know. I think you're a that, busy man. No, the Maybe thing you with, just need a small portion. The thing with the kids' meal, though, at McDonald's, I think they still do the apple slices. They still do yeah. the toys. I, I don't know. It's been a while. I know, they, I, I know you can still get the toys. And now they're bringing back their trick or treat bucket, which is a big deal. It hasn't. It came back last year. They're bringing it back again. It hadn't been around for a few years. Well, because we were in a pandemic and nobody was able to go trick or treating. But now they're back, so that's exciting news as everybody gears up for Halloween. You know, um, Wendy's is going to be bringing back their one dollar Halloween boo books this year, because I didn't know this. According to an article I read. Halloween night is one of the busiest nights for fast food places. Really? Be yeah, and they say it's because people are either taking their kids trick-or-treating, they're answering the door, so somebody just runs and gets fast food and brings it home. And it makes sense, but I never thought of it that way. Wouldn't you want to be cooking at home so you be at home? We, yes, I would never, we never left when we were, uh, we always cook at home, even like now when kids are coming to the door. But when our daughter was little, one of us would always stay home and the other would take, you know, we'd take shifts trick-or-treating. But, yeah, I would never just, you know, I guess if you have another driver in the house, you can, somebody can run out. But our, our, our tradition when I, for Halloween at our house was always uh, pizza. So my years ago... My grandfather, who was a uh, Chicago cop, before, now you can get home running pizzas at any grocery store freezer section. But before then, you couldn't. You had to get them right from the original home run-in. So he always brought, a couple days before Halloween, he brought some home run-in pizzas over to our house for my brothers and myself. And then my mom would make frozen pizza, and that way we were out trick-or-treating, and we could come home, and we'd have some pizza, and then we'd go back out. And... Like my wife, it was always uh, chili. 
So there's always a pot of chili on Halloween so that we don't, it can be cooking. We don't have to worry about it. We can take, uh, you know, we could take our daughter trick-or-treating or we can answer the door because I'm still a, a sucker for Halloween. I love answering the door, passing out the candy, seeing the little kids. So that's, uh, I'm, I, I didn't know that uh, it, was so, it was so popular, but every, everybody's getting into it. So I mentioned the boo buckets from McDonald's. Those are back. Wendy's is giving out these uh, these $1 boo books. There are five coupons. Each one is for a free Junior Frosty. You don't have to buy anything else. So that's nice. Um, and there's a, sec- a sixth coupon, a bonus. And you can get a $1.99 kids meal with any purchase. So you can do that. And Burger King is doing a couple of their crazy Whoppers. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, they did that Whopper for Halloween with the black bun. That I never tried it, but it looked disgusting. Um, so now they're doing a ghost pepper, a ghost pepper whopper, and a ghost whopper, and uh, ghost pepper chicken fries, all for Halloween. Very exciting. Ooh. So there you go. All right, that's the drive-through window for this week. We're gonna close it up and move on. It's WTMJ nights. Wrong bears. Stop, stop. That is not, oh boy. How many people were just punching their radio? How many people cursed into the night? I know I told you we were doing news about bears, Matt, but that's that's the wrong song. That's not the one. I know you, listen, don't be mad. Don't, you're not in trouble. You're all, you did all right. No, oh, but the uh, the Bears are playing the Packers on Sunday. Do you have a, a prediction, Matt? I know you are. I know you are watching every little uh, every nuance of the. You watched every nuance of the preseason. You are ready to make a. Uh, you are ready to make a hot prediction. You didn't give me enough time to cue it up. I was. Which? It's got to go with the, the classic Dicka prediction. Uh, Bears by forty five. Bears by 45. All right. (laughs) No, but in all all seriousness, they're going to come out firing in Chicago. Jordan Love's going to stumble out of the gate, and it's going to be close, but I think the Bears uh, get this one. Well, you and Ditka are the only one. uh, I saw a video today of Ditka on something uh, making predictions, and everybody else had picked the pack, and, uh, you know, my man, my man, the coach. And please don't don't, uh, use the duh thing. if you're talking to me about the Bears, it grates on me. But, uh, yes, so it, big game. But, no, this is not Chicago Bears in the news. This is actual real Bears in the news. Before we get to that, Peter uh, was, uh, commented, I had brought up our tradition when I was a kid of getting home running pizzas before they started selling them in the store. And he, Peter says, I love home running pizzas. Get them at Woodman's. My kids all love the McDonald's pumpkin trick or treat buckets in the 90s. Yeah, that's why they came back. All the, all the uh, people who were kids in the 90s, now they want their kids to be able to get those boo buckets. And they do. All right, this is inaugural. I, uh, I found it very odd, and this is why I decided to do Bears in the News, because there's not usually a day, and by not usually I mean there has never been a day where I've come across multiple stories about a bear. Uh, Not the same bear, not even in the same general vicinity. I don't know if this is a harbinger or a prediction for Sunday, if you're the kind of person who looks for signs 
Maybe the fact that bears are all over the news, that might be a sign for you. Um, it might be a sign, if you're a Packer fan, that, uh, you know, these bears are all misbehaving. So it's time for somebody to come in and lay the smack down, as The Rock used to say, on them. But let's get started. We'll go down to Florida. Who even knew there were bears in Florida? I don't know where I thought bears lived, other than Alaska and the mountains. A three-legged bear. And, of course, if it's Florida, it has to be a bear that has something unusual. A bear that rides a, uh, a manatee, a bear that has one of those big fan boats, a bear that is, uh, you know, just <laughs> a redneck. This bear might be um, a three-legged bear known to some as tripod, found its way into a screened-in patio of a home before raiding the refrigerator and helping itself to three White Claw beverages. That's the time that I lost respect for this bear. One, I'm, I'm like, hey, this bear is uh, dealing with a disability, still getting around, good for him. A little breaking and entering, I can understand it. He's, uh, he's homeless, he's wandering around, he's got nowhere to go. But then he starts drinking White Claw, I go, oh, you are so basic. What a basic bear to drink the uh, White Claw. Jazari DiGilio, it's her house. Her 13-year-old son and family dog were at home when the bear decided to stop by. Uh, a video shows the bear limping around on its three legs. That's shaming. Don't shame a three-legged bear. Just say walking around. We get it. So it was in the driveway. Then it's made its way to the screened-in lanai. Oh, near the family's swimming pool. Fancy. Tripod, the bear, then entered the screened-in area and rummaged around the refrigerator. Uh, that was It's a kegerator. So the, the kid is in there, and he's on the video. He's screaming, oh, my God, look at him. Uh, this is crazy, blah, blah, blah. Then the bear, the, uh, the bear opens the mi a mini refrigerator door, and the kid panics again, thinking that if the bear knows how to open the door, he can open the door to the house. I don't know if that's true, but we'll figure it out. Excuse me. Uh, then the bear opened the cabinet door. Then he got into an outdoor full-size refrigerator and grabbed three white claws and uh, popped them open and chugged them down. Listen, here's my, here's my advice. If you see a bear coming onto your lanai, leave it out something better to drink than a white claw. And I know I'm making, oh, I'm going to make all the, all the ladies mad, all the dudes, all the bros mad for uh, they want to drink the white claw. Your white claw man, Matt. Not really a seltzer guy, but you got to leave the bear something better, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Leave the leave out a nice bottle of bourbon for the bear. Maybe uh, you know a good IPA, something uh, something from the north uh, from the northwest that has kind of that uh, that uh, piney kind of uh, hop to it, so the bear will feel at home. All right. There's bear story number one. Bear story number two. This involves a bear that thought it was a dog. For a moment, anyway, and then it got a little revenge. A Pennsylvania man, so we go from Florida to Pennsylvania. He saved a group of partygoers from a huge black bear by treating it like a dog. So, in a video that has gone viral, a man identified only as Mike, who, as we go on with the story, you tell me. I'm going to let you listen to the story, Matt, then I want your verdict. Is Mike incredibly brave or incredibly stupid? So Mike is, uh, Mike is out on Lake Harmony with his friends. A bear wanders into the area. His friends can be heard on this video calling for him to stay away from the bear, which sounds like good advice. Mike decides he's not having it, and he sternly directs the bear to the edge of the area, which had been cordoned off with chairs. 
Uh, the bear follows the man's orders, according to the video. But then the bear gets to the perimeter. Mike moves a chair out of the way and orders the animal to leave. That's when the bear has had just about enough of Mike's attitude, lashes out, swipes at his upper thigh with its paw before slowly strolling away from the group. Um, afterwards on the video, Mike lifts his shirt to reveal that part of his shorts have been sliced into ribbons by the bear's sharp claws. All right, Matt, there is the story. Incredibly brave or incredibly stupid? I don't know if Mr. Mike knows anything about how to deal with a bear, but if he knew anything in the slightest, it, incredibly dumb. Yep. What are we, ding, what are ding, we ding, doing? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> All you have to do is scream bloody murder and the bear will leave. Yeah. Like, uh, trying to, tr- <laughs> like, uh, good boy, good boy. Keep going. Come on. You got it. What a, what a, what a, nonsense. Listen, I can barely he get my dog it. He to do what I it. tell it to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- he's okay, thankfully. He's got to get a new pair of shorts. That's good. Uh, I'm surprised the bear didn't get tired of him yelling at him earlier. You know, but you're right, Matt. That's what they get big, make a lot of noise, and don't approach the bear. You got to no. But so he survived. Uh, I don't know how. I think it's. Uh, Maybe you can play fetch next time. Yeah, if you bring some chew toys, uh, you'll get the bear to roll over. You can rub its belly. Play tug, talk play tug. you never know. Oh, I, <laughs> I don't think he'll win that one. <laughs> I, I want to see this, because you got to figure this guy's drunk, too. I'd like to see a drunk camper try to play tug with one of those You play tug with a bear, bear. you're going to get a nice carousel ride right around the merry-go-round. Be like yeah, Anchorman. You're... You are you yes you it is going to be just like Anchorman. You are going to you are going to lose that game within 0.6 seconds. Uh for first of all you got to get the bear to take the other end. And then you got to do that cuz anytime you play tug with a dog you got to make the sound. And that's going to freak the bear out anyway. And then man things are going to get real dicey real quick. So all right there's bear story number 2, bears in the news, our final bear in the news. Another bear that was, oh, not doing what it was supposed to. This time, we go to Australia for our bear in the news, which may give you a hint about what kind of bear it is. Yes, it is a koala. Um, Humphrey Harrington uh, has a nursery, and he had seedlings there. And this started uh, several months ago at his nursery near New South Wales, Australia. He said... I noticed some of my seedlings were being chewed off, and I thought it was probably a possum. I was going to try to do an Australian accent, and then I thought I'd uh, save you all from that nightmare. So every night, he said, there'd be a few more and a few more gone. But soon the culprit was caught in the act. One morning we came out to work, and Claude was sitting on a bench next to all these plants just wrapped around a pole. It seems like he'd had a very, a very big feed that night, so he was too full to go and climb a tree. They named him Claude because he had really long, impressive claws. This is a koala. He said he wasn't going to let the, uh, the bear just stay there and keep eating his stuff. So this is another guy. And I, I've heard, as cute as koalas are, all the information I have about koalas, and that's not much, but that they're pretty ferocious because they're bears, you know, or marsupials. I don't, I'm not sure exactly. But anyway, he went up and he threw a towel around him, which you do if you have a bird in the house. You throw a towel on top of it. He carried it down the street to his neighbor's field about 
two to three hundred meters away from the nursery and let him go in a tree. That was very nice of him. Could have just uh, hit him with a stick. But a couple days later, guess who's back? Yeah, Claude. You were going to say Slim Shady. No, it was Claude. Uh, Mr. Harrington alleges the leaf thief consumed several thousand seedlings over the course of his crime spree, cost the business up to $6,000, so now he's got to build a koala-proof fence to permanently deter the likes of Claude. Uh, said it was the first time in about 20 years that a koala had eaten his products. So, come on, Claude. A little respect. So there you have it, the inaugural edition, and probably, honestly, there's not going to be another day where there's three stories of bears in the news on WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights, here until 9 o'clock, and then it's Dave Ramsey, 855-616-1620. Uh, some sad news today if you are a fan of Real Sports with Brian Gumble, uh, which airs on HBO. It debuted April 2nd, 1995. And today they announced that after this season, the show is over. And for a lot of people don't, you know, they like sports, but they don't, you know, maybe you don't watch ESPN all the time. Real Sports is a show that I'm always, I'm always attracted. When I see it's on, I stop and watch it because the stories are always interesting. There's, there's stories about athletes and people and all different sports, and it is just, um, I love the correspondence. It's kind of like a 60 minutes of sports. So it goes in depth with people. They, you know, the one story early was, uh, in two, this was in 2004. They did this story about, uh, racing camels and child slavery in the United Arab Emirates. They've done stories about different scandals. They've done stories about, um, you know, just about everything. Do you now? This sounds like a show that would be right up your alley, Matt. I love real sports. It's a shame that it's uh, coming to a close. And the one thing I like about it is that, like you said, Brian, it showcases behind the scenes and the stories that might not necessarily get told on other networks, on other shows. ESPN's done something similar with Outside the Lines, and there have been other shows that have. Right. come off of it but there's no show that can do it like that no and it's the the thing is now brian gumble whether you love him or hate him and sometimes he comes across as kind of a pompous um but the people the correspondents that are on that show now and that have been on that show are phenomenal journalists and these and i i also like that in the current seasons they've added ariel hawani to talk about MMA and different things, they've gotten some younger, uh, some younger reporters in there, keeping people like Mary Carrillo, Andrea Kramer, Soledad O'Brien. Uh, in the current one, I used to love when Frank DeFord was on before he passed away. Uh, James Brown, who now does you know the NFL on CBS, he was a correspondent on Real Sports. Bernard Goldberg, Leslie Visser, all all top notch, not just sports journalists but journalists in general and that's what makes it that's what makes it so good because the stories are all approached from a journalist's eye they're not just a glossy sports story it's not just oh look how great these athletes are and look at all of this it's you know 
warts and all. And when they when they cover things like race, they cover the things like drugs or CTE, and or then they have some happy story. There was just one. It was a few months ago. I don't know if you saw this one, Matt. The the father. I think it was. I can't remember where he was from, but his son was um, in a wheelchair, and they started running marathons together. And they ran, I don't know, for how many, uh, like 20 years they were running marathons. The dad pushed the kid in a chair and ran and ran and ran so that the, the son could experience that. And then the father died, and I think it's either at the New York or the Boston Marathon, they built a... A statue. They commissioned a statue and have it there of the father and the son. Uh, so they had some. They had feel good stories and they had stories that made you go, "I can't believe this is really happening uh, in sports." And stories that made you really think outside of just the game that you're watching on Sunday or during the week for baseball or basketball and and how things really ticked. So it was it was shocking, but you know. They've been doing it for a long time. They've done more than 300 episodes. It's once a month. But I think, you know, you've got you got Brian Gumble who's been around for a long, long time and probably just probably just tired, you know, and ready to retire. And cuz I think the show still does well. There was nothing um there was nothing in any of the stories or any press release that said the show was struggling. Um and you know, the chairman and CEO of HBO said Real Sports is the longest-running HBO series. Brian and his Real Sports team have long been a cornerstone of HBO programming. The series will continue to resonate in the realm of sports journalism, and we are so proud to have been a part of such a remarkable odyssey. So there you go. That's, uh, that's a rough one if you're, a, if you're a sports television watcher. So catch it while you can. you got a few more episodes before the end. All right, we got to do this. Then we'll come back, and oh, we we have to end with a story of a Florida man, because why not? It's WTMJ night. Yeah, just about just about to wrap things up here, but we'll be back tomorrow night at six. So hopefully you will join us then. All right, let's end with this. Uh, Story of a Florida man, and you can only imagine if it's a Florida man story, it's going to go uh, it's going to woefully wrong. He is a marathoner. Oh, okay, he's in shape, but he's facing federal charges. Why? Well, the U.S. Coast Guard spotted him seventy miles, seventy nautical miles, off Tybee Island, Georgia, uh, last week in a homemade hydropod, just before the hurricane bore down on the eastern seaboard. So. Right there, you got to go, okay, you, sh- you should be evacuating. And what is a homemade hydropod? Well, a homemade hydropod is a hamster wheel kind of thing. It's, uh, according to the, fer- the newly filed criminal complaint, it's a, a hamster wheel contraption that is afloat as a result of wiring and buoys. So he's in this hamster wheel. He's seven nautical miles out into the ocean. The hurricane is bearing down. He tells authorities that he's headed to London. So he's going to hamster wheel across the pond until he gets to merry old England. Well, 
Coast Guard officers told this man, Riza Belushi, that they were cutting short his, and they said, manifestly unsafe voyage. He threatened to kill himself with a 12-inch knife if anyone tried to apprehend him. And then, like a true hamster, he kept, he kept wheeling. And um, then he claimed to have a bomb on board of his hamster-like contraption. That turned out to be fake. Uh, three days later, he kept going for three more days. Um, they, authorities got him. Now, they had got him in his hydropod three times before this. But three days after his initial run-in with the law, he finally surrendered. Uh, he tried to do it in 2021. He made national news from trying to get to Florida to New York in his hydropod. Uh, he washed ashore 25 miles later. This one, uh, he got a little bit further, but there's no accounting for crazy. And the beautiful thing about this world is there's no shortage of crazy which makes my job a lot more fun and interesting because there's always some uh, something goofy that we can talk about and uh, cover here on WTMJ Nights. I uh, I could see one of those, you know, they. Uh, I see a lot like on the beaches and stuff, they've got those big balls that people can get in and run or just on, offshore, you know, and kind of bounce into each other. That sounds like fun. But to create a hydropod and think you're going to go all the way across the ocean, shut up. All right, that's all for tonight's big broadcast, Matt. Uh, you're you're not going to be here tomorrow night. You've got a uh, you're calling uh, something very special. You're calling a game, so we will talk uh, more about that when you come back. Thanks for your help tonight. I'll talk to you all tomorrow at six. Dave Ramsey after the news that comes your way next on WTMJ Nights.